Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. As we've been working here at the end of the summer through the book of Colossians, trying to do a sort of Bible study style sermon series. We've got two weeks left, uh, almost looking at a chapter a week, not quite the whole chapter, but uh, today we'll look at chapter three mostly, uh, and then next week we'll finish up with a part of chapter three and, and part of chapter four. So today, verses one through 17 in chapter three, these come from uh, your book, bu- these are in your bulletin if you want to read along there, but also on your screen, uh, and you may want your own Bible, you could turn there, use a phone or something like that if you prefer, uh, but I invite you to hear these words of scripture from Paul's letter to the church in Colossa. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices And have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in wisdom. With gratitude in your heart, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. May God bless our reading of the Holy Scriptures, and let us say together, Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, it is with thanksgiving in our hearts that we gather for worship today. We give thanks for the chance to be together in fellowship, to share in this time. We give thanks for this place that has been set apart, a holy place, that we might come and meet you, that we might be gathered up in the power of your spirit and your communion once again. God, we give thanks to share for the opportunity to share in our gifts and our voices and our resources. We give thanks for the holy scriptures, which have been set apart and inspired by your spirit. Though they are ancient words, they are still very much alive today. And so we pray as we read them, as we study them, as we meditate on them, that they would speak again to us. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This uh, couple of weeks ago, I was visiting with some of our church members who were homebound, who were unable to come to church in person. Of course, we have a large church membership role. We have people who are in different facilities. We have people who are home, uh, just unable to be here on Sunday. That's one reason, of course, our online services and our television services are so important. 
I was visiting this particular day with uh, Marcia Shedd and Dr. Shedd, Dr. Liana Shedd. Uh, many of you know them well, longtime members of the community and longtime members of the church. And we were having a good visit. You may know Dr. Shedd was pretty sick uh, a while ago, but he's doing very well now. I'm happy to report that they're both in good health. Uh, we had a nice long visit, talked for a long time. Uh, Dr. Shedd was talking about his life and growing up and how they came to live in Paragold. And so I was quizzing him and, and thinking about those, those old days of, of growing up and what that was like. And he was telling me some of the, the hard things they had to do, farming and working in the fields and, and what a big deal it was when they got air conditioning, right? Uh, and of course, I was trying to prove myself to him. And I said, well, yeah, you know, I've done some hard work too, right? And so I listed off some of the hard jobs that I had done. Of course, my life in no way uh, compares to the challenges that those older generations lived through. A couple of jobs that came to mind as I was talking to Dr. Shedd involve uh, cleaning up on the farm. I did a couple of things. I, I cleaned out horse stalls. I mucked horse stalls a few times when I was younger, 16 or 17. Uh, that job was particularly uh, important because it was working for Jill's family. Jill's aunt and uncle had a little horse operation, and they invited me to come clean out the horse stalls, right? Uh, and not only that, but, but I had lunch with Jill's grandmother. So, like, that was a, gr a day of great testing and trial, you know, to see whether I was a hard worker, whether I had a good disposition, whether I was worthy of dating Jill, right? You remember this as well? Yes. That was a nasty job, right? Really nasty job, but, uh, but I did it nonetheless. The other job that I remember so clearly uh, because of the smell was cleaning out chicken houses. And so this is a picture of the inside of a chicken house as it looked when I was working in them about 20 years ago. And so when the chickens would be taken away, uh, they, would, they would invite workers to come help clean out the chicken houses. And so those are wooden slats that the chickens stand on and eat on, and their, their refuse falls below the slats. And so uh, workers would come in, and we would move the slats from one side to the other. And while they were away on one side, you know, a skid steer would come in and scoop out all of the, the nastiness, and then you would move them back to the other side and so on. That was the hottest and grossest and stinkiest job uh, that I was ever involved in. I remember riding home, rolling down all the windows in my truck, trying to get that odor off of me, you know. And when I got to my home, to my front door, my mom stopped me right there, and she said, you are not coming in with those clothes on, right? Uh, and so I stripped off right there on the front porch, and I don't think those clothes even made it to the washing machine. I think they went straight to the trash can, right, never uh, to be worn again. They were not able to be saved or to be redeemed. I'm going to invite you to hold on to that image a little bit because it's so important to what Paul's saying here in Colossians 3, uh, and we'll come back to that at the end of the service. So we've been working through Colossians, and, my, and as I said at the beginning, my, my goal, my hope would be as we finish up this Colossians series, whether you're here in person, whether you've been watching online, you've been traveling, maybe you're catching up watching the services online after the fact, uh, hopefully, by, by the time we get done, you have a pretty full picture of what Paul's doing in Colossians and why that's such an important book for us. And so I'll remind you just a little bit of where we've come, these last three sermons. So in the beginning of Colossians, Paul says that he's praying for the church there in Colossae that they would grow in wisdom and understanding, that they would grow in wisdom and understanding, and therefore then they could lead lives worthy of the Lord. So that was kind of that first sermon, right? That Paul's hope for these new Christians, church in Colossae, very new Christians, that they would grow in wisdom and understanding. They would better understand Jesus. That's kind of the wisdom part. And that they would grow in understanding. They would better understand their world. Right? So that kind of laid the groundwork for Colossians in these sermon series. Chase preached on Colossians 1, 15, and 16, and that's really the high point of Colossians. You can go back and read it any time, particularly verses 15 through 20. 
And this is where Paul offers this kind of hymn, this poem, where he says that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God and all things came into being through him, right? And so what we get there at the end of chapter one is this really high view of Jesus, right? Jesus is, is one with God, the image of God. God is who Jesus is. Jesus is who God is. And so you don't have to wonder and question what God is like. You only need to look to Jesus, And then last week we talked a little bit about how baptism ties us to Jesus. So this same Jesus who is above and and over everything has now been connected to us through his death and resurrection, through our baptism. We're now united with Jesus eternally, right? So grow in wisdom and understanding. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And through your baptism, you have been tied to Jesus' death and resurrection, Those are kind of the first three lessons, right? So then today in chapter 3, you'll notice a change in tone, right? So given that those things are all true, right, everything that Paul has said in chapter 1 and 2, he turns in chapter 3 to begin to think about a little bit with the church in Colossae to begin to teach them, therefore, right, because Jesus is the image of the invisible God, because you have been united with Jesus in his death and resurrection through baptism, therefore, how should you live, right? What does this actually mean for you in your day-to-day life? So Paul goes from these huge ideas, these big themes about who Jesus is and how Jesus is connected to you, and then we're going to get all the way down to the lowest level. So then, what does that actually mean for you? How do you live? And so he starts in here in verse 1. You've been raised with Christ. Christ is above. Therefore, you ought to set your mind on things that are above. He's kind of laying the groundwork here. Because all of this is true about Jesus, because you've been baptized into Jesus, therefore you ought to set your mind on things that are above, right? That's kind of Paul's code word for I'm about to tell you what I want you to do, right? To set your, things on, set your mind on things that are above. And the word that we have for this in our world is, is really the word ethics, right? Ethics, ethical behavior, how should we live with one another? So what Paul does in chapter 3 and in part of chapter 4 is he does some Christian ethics, right? Because Jesus is the image of the invisible God, because you're united with him in baptism, here is how you should live. And that's what we're about to get today. Now, one thing I love about our church, of course, is that we have so many children who are actively involved. We had a lot of children up here just a moment ago. So I typically refrain from talking about uh, adult content from the pulpit because kids are in here and even my own kids are in here. And so I'm going to do that in a real loose way today as well. You with adult uh, vocabularies and adult imaginations can interpret a little bit more for yourself what Paul is saying. I'm going to try to talk a little bit in abstract. The first thing that Paul says here in this section of Colossians, uh, he offers what we sometimes call in New Testament studies a vice list, a vice list. And Paul does this a few different times where he rattles off a list of concerns and sins, right? So therefore, because Christ has been raised and is seated above, you ought to set your mind on things that are above. And then he begins here in verse 5 to get very specific, And the first thing that he says is by setting your mind on things that are above, you ought to put to death these sorts of sins. Fornication, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. In other words, sexual sins. Now we sometimes have a view, and you hear this a lot even, you sometimes have a sense that, that what has happened in our modern world, that in modernity, that people's behavior, sexual behavior, has really become unhinged. And we now live in a place of great sexual mischief, right? As if, though, that's a modern thing that has just happened in the last few years or decades. 
But that's simply not true. If we look at the historical record all the way back to the New Testament time period and before, it's pretty clear that people lived in lots of impure ways that defiled other people and that caused harm to themselves. If we look in the biblical record as we are today, but even if we look in the outside of the biblical record, just in the historical record, there in the first century, lots of terrible things were happening in terms of adult and even sometimes adult and children relationships. Terrible things, unimaginable things. And certainly that was the, the case there in Colossa. This is a Roman city, a Greek city, a pagan city. We know that sexual misbehavior was rampant. And so when Paul writes to these new Christians who are just now learning to follow Jesus, it's a pretty radical idea that he tells them. Following Jesus, at least partly, is about putting to death these sorts of behaviors. Fornication, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Now that last little move is important because of what Paul has already done previously in Colossians. He says this sexual misbehavior, this sexual misconduct, fornication, impurity, evil desires, it's a form of idolatry. It's a form of idolatry. And idolatry kind of fits with the theme of Colossians because what Paul has said in Colossians is that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus deserves all of our worship, all of our attention. And when we're involved in these sorts of behaviors, these sorts of sins, what we're doing is making an idol out of other people, other bodies, and we're exploiting them, and we're doing harm to them and harm to ourselves. So Paul says that sort of misbehavior, that sort of behavior that was so common in the first century, it's a form of idolatry, and it goes against following Jesus. And once you follow Jesus, you've got to put to death those sorts of behaviors. There's no longer room for them in this spiritual life. So the first one is about those sorts of behaviors, right? And then the second list that Paul offers is this one in verses 8 and 9. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Paul seems to know well there in the first century what we know well today in our world too. That often in our hearts stirs anger and frustration, violent thoughts toward other people. We carry those around, oftentimes unspoken, but not always unspoken. And occasionally that anger, that frustration, it comes out of us. And the way it typically comes out of us is through our mouths. And so Paul recognizes there in the early church in Colossae, as well as in the modern church today, that to be a follower of Christ means you have to put to death, you have to put away these old behaviors anger and malice and slander and gossip and abusive language, you have to quit using your mouth, you have to quit using your body to do harm to yourself and to other people. This is all really important, right? Because Jesus Christ came to us in the form of a person. Jesus Christ has, has been resurrected in his body. And so Paul says your body, right? your body is capable of, of great sin and great harm. And you sort of need to get a handle on that. You've got to put to death fornication and impurity and evil desires. You've got to stop with this wrath and anger and malice and evil language that comes out of your mouth. Right? So Colossians 3, through 5, 3, 5 through 9, we get a vice list. I want you to hold on to that word vice list. We get those a few times in the New Testament, and this is just one occasion. 3, 5 through 9, a vice list. But then notice what happens in verses 12 through 16. What Paul does in Colossians 3 so wonderfully is he offers this kind of a mirror image. On the one hand, we have the vices, right? Impure thoughts and fornication and abusive language and anger and math and anger and wrath, right? That's the vices. 
But then in verse 12 and following, Paul offers the more optimistic view, the positive view. If you're going to set your mind on things that are above, if you're going to follow the risen Christ, you're going to put to death these old ways, and instead your life is going to look like this. So it's no longer vices, but it's now virtues. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. If any of one of you does wrong to one another, then you've got to forgive one another. You've got to seek to live into the church as a way that is a way of peace and, of course, marked by love. So Paul's kind of offered this two visions. One vision is the old way, right? Impure thoughts and anger and fornication, these terrible things. And instead, to follow Jesus is this new way, a life of virtue, compassion and kindness, humility, love, peace, and forgiveness. And Paul continues, and I think this is really important as well. He does not have a a sort of romantic, idealized view, right, that you just tell people to be good and all of a sudden they'll start being good, right? We know that that's not the way it works. Instead, what he says is if you're going to live a life according to these Christian virtues, if your life is going to be marked by compassion and kindness and joy and peace and love, then the way to do so, he says there in those last few verses, is to let the wisdom of Christ dwell in your hearts, to share those words of wisdom with one another, And then he says, I love this part, with gratitude in your hearts, right? Gratitude for all that Jesus is, for all that Jesus has done. Gratitude that we've been united with Jesus in baptism. With gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. Now notice that first list, right? A set of vices, things that we do that hurt ourselves and hurt one another. Angry language that comes out of our mouth. The second list things we do that help to care for one another, that to create a community of peace and love. And the way we do that is not that angry language comes out of our mouth, but what comes out of our mouths instead? The wisdom of Christ. Hymns, psalms, spiritual songs. And so what part of what Paul is saying here, I mean, he's kind of an early adopter in, in terms of what it, what it takes to grow the virtues. How do we shape people to be good people, to follow Jesus, to know Jesus? Well, one way, one important way is in and through worship. We come to worship both on Sunday mornings, but maybe even in our own lives on a, on a, in another way outside of church. We worship and we learn the language of the wisdom of Christ. We learn the hymns of the church, the psalms of the church, the spiritual songs of God. And we allow that language to shape us. So instead of malice and slander and anger coming out of our mouths, we learn the wisdom of Christ. We sing the psalms and the spiritual songs. And hopefully, that crafts in us compassion and humility and kindness and peace and gentleness. And as we learn the language of Jesus, this is what Paul's saying to the early church, as you learn the language of Jesus, as you learn to worship Jesus, as you learn to put away some of that other language, then your life will be shaped according to these virtues. Love and peace, humility, compassion, patience, forgiveness, and so on. So just note how Colossians 3, 5 through 9 and 12 through 16, how they kind of mirror each other. 5 through 9 is the negative, and 12 through 16 is the positive. To follow Jesus means to have a life that's shaped by virtue and shaped by regular worship. Regular worship. Now, the image that Paul uses that holds chapter 3 together, the image that he he refers to over and over again uh, is the image of changing clothes. 
I hope you heard that as I was reading, that multiple times as he lists these vices and then as he lists these virtues, what he tells the people in Colossae is that they need to change their clothes, right? So verse 5, he says you need to put to death these things, right? You must get rid of all these things. These are the vices. You must strip off the old self. You must get rid of all of that stuff. And instead, you are clothed with a new self. You're clothed with a new self. And then he says again in verse 12, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, you need to clothe yourselves with worship and with the virtues of the faith. Now, I find that image from Paul to be particularly helpful on a couple of levels. On one level, it's helpful in terms of the way we think about baptism. You know, as I said last week, we in the United Methodist Church, in the Methodist tradition, and in many traditions like ours, we celebrate baptism one time. One time you're baptized. You're united with Christ in baptism for eternity. It happens once. You are baptized. You are changed. But unlike baptism, we change our clothes every day, right? We change our clothes every day, sometimes multiple times a day, right? Maybe you get up and work out or you work out afterwards or you work in the yard or you mow the yard, but then you have to go to a formal meeting. We change clothes regularly, And typically when we change clothes, they go to the washing machine and the dryer and they go back to the closet. Or if they're nice clothes, they go to the cleaners to be professionally cleaned. But sometimes our clothes are so nasty, right? Sometimes after cleaning the proverbial chicken house, our clothes are so stinky that they just simply have to be thrown away. I threw away a few t-shirts this summer from Ozark Mission Project when we were working during the day. I took those off and I smelled it as I took it off and I thought, there's no hope here, right? Uh, This shirt has just got to go away. Paul uses that image. It's a first century image for him, but man, it works really well for us because what Paul says is, though you've been baptized and you've been eternally united with Christ, something happens where we continue to put on the old clothes, I mean, your soul is saved, you're a, you're a member of the church, you're, you're following Jesus, but, but you continue to put on those old clothes, and Paul says in this, in this section that those clothes are dirty. They're filthy. They smell bad. They're gross. And so you're walking around, your, your soul seeking to follow Jesus, but instead it's covered in the old clothes, the nasty clothes of, of fornication and evil desire and anger and wrath and malice. And Paul says, you have got, you've got to take away those old clothes. You've got to strip them off. Maybe they can be washed, but probably they need to be thrown away. And instead, you need to put on these new clothes. Now, what I like about that image, as I was trying to say there, is, is that's something that can happen every day. Right? This is a daily habit, a daily practice. It's not as if one time we take off the old clothes and we're cleansed and we've got our new clothes on and we never have to worry about that again. No. It's an every day, it's an every week thing. We take off the old clothes, the sins that are weighing us down, that are, that are making our lives so stinky and gross. We take those off to follow again in the hope of the resurrected Lord. When I read Colossians 3, we get a vision of Paul's Christian ethics. That's what we're reading here. But I don't read him sort of as like a disappointing parent wagging his finger at the Colossian church, sort of getting on to them. I don't think that's the tone at all. What I think he's telling the church in Colossae and what he's telling us as well is, is as you follow Jesus, as you learn to focus on the risen Christ who sits above, as you set your mind and heart on eternal things, you're being invited into a whole new way of life. And it's not that you're in trouble and you need to do better. 
It's no, it's those old nasty things that are holding you back. Sexual perversion, evil thoughts, fornication. These terrible things that, that, that overwhelm us, that make our lives so gross and dirty, and we feel like we're kind of bearing them all the time and we carry them with us. Paul says you don't have to live that way. To follow Jesus means you get to tear those old clothes off. And you get to put on new and clean clothes. And you get to do that as often as you need, every day, every week, every month, throughout your life, continually removing the old and dirty and living into the new and pure. So we might summarize Colossians 3 in this way. If we are seeking the risen Christ who is above, then our vices will be replaced with virtues and the hurtful words that we often share are being replaced with worship. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we give thanks for the witness of Paul and for the witness of the church, for those in our own lives, faithful saints, who we have known ourselves, who have put away the old self, who have torn off the old clothes, who have had the courage to live into the hope that is following Jesus. God, in this room, though we come to church on Sunday morning as if though we have everything together, though we come to church on Sunday morning wearing our Sunday best, we know in our hearts that that is not necessarily the case. That each of us this morning, this week, we carry around those old clothes, clothes of evil thoughts and desires, clothes of anger and malice, clothes of shame and fear. God, we know that you see us for who we truly are. We pray that we would have the courage to see ourselves as fully saved and fully healed and that we might have the strength to put off those old clothes, to live into this new life, one of compassion and kindness, love and peace and joy, that we might worship you on this day and for all the days to come. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparacle.org. May God bless you this week.